Hello and welcome to the Justin Stride Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustinStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Justin Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. As athletes, we tend to focus on specific gear, race strategies, and training plans, but oftentimes our nutrition gets overlooked. I know I've certainly been guilty of that. On this episode of Just In Stride, we'll get to know an active member of the run community and Exact Nutrition co-founder, Lawrence Colesell. Lawrence grew up living in many different places, developing a passion for cooking and the great outdoors. Turns out he's been able to combine the two and create a successful nutrition brand that helps you fuel your goals. Through that process, he's found balance for himself and his family while supporting the endurance community every step of the way. You might say he's found the perfect recipe for success. Welcome to Just In Stride podcast, Lawrence. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Justin. Really stoked to be here. Yeah, I think it's a long time coming for me. We've known each other quite some time through the, the run scene in uh, Montreal and uh, always a pleasure to, to chat and get a run in. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, um, I struggled to put, I don't know, I feel five years, six years sounds about right, but maybe it's more. Right? Yeah. Time flies. Um, I'm sure these last two weeks have flown by for you. You've had so much going on. Uh, I've been following along on your, on your feed and your, your company's feed. Exact. It's well, well presented on your shirt. <laughs> you want to tell us about a little bit about what's been going on and, uh, but the, yeah, the last two weeks have been have been um, really, really <laughs> demanding. Um, uh, just uh, not so long ago, we started um, uh, our company's sales operations in the US, uh, a massive step for any uh, Canadian company. And so that saw us uh, go down to Boston Marathon weekend to um, to basically connect with the run community, the Boston Marathon. I'm not going to use the word community. I'm just going to use the word like massive crowd, the Boston Marathon massive crowd um, and um, some awesome partner brands that we're working with. So that was our first um, sort of non-trade show actually in the thick of an event, a thick of a race weekend uh, with all the uh, the underground run scene stuff going on too. Um, so really exciting to do that in a new country. Um, huge learning, um, very energizing. And um, and also um, some um, uh, and also it's for me it was going back home in a way. So actually, I spent uh, three years uh, growing up in Boston. I went to high school there, um, and then fast forward to this weekend, um, big big uh, party at uh, the Sierra uh, 
new space, Siedi Athletics, uh, here in Montreal, our hometown. That was Friday. I don't, I don't do much partying as a, as a 50-year-old, like, dad of two and running a business with my wife, like, partying something. I know there was a party since our wedding, but it, it doesn't, <laughs> there weren't many. <laughs> so Friday was a big party. That was a lot of fun. Um, and Saturday um, was actually a down day for us. But Sunday, I was so, so happy to put together a very scrambled last-minute team for Runaround 125, which is part of Montreal's Runk series uh, of unsanctioned races. And I can honestly say hand on heart, yesterday was the most fun I've had at a sort of sporting event in some years. Like, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and um, and it was got nothing to do with where we finished because we rocked in the 18th place <laughs> of 20 teams. I only found that out like a day afterwards so much that we we're just caught up in the in the mood and the vibe. But yeah, so uh, Boston racing here, running the business and then, you know, the personal life, too. So yeah, yeah. it's been a busy couple of weeks. And that's saying a lot for that runk race um, coming oh, from yeah. Boston, which is like the Mecca for for running. But for anybody who doesn't know that that race, I, I was part of the original team that tried to do the, the run around the I island figure. of Montreal. Yeah, that makes sense for 125 kilometers. Um, and that was fun in itself. But when you add in, it's a relay around the island of Montreal. And when you add in all those teams, it creates, you know, some competitiveness, it creates some fun, some, some community vibes, and you know, everyone's there for different reasons. But it's cool to hear your, your, um, you had a good experience with that and, uh, and had a lot of fun in the process, you know. Yeah, and, and kind of what it made me, what it reminded me of in the early days when we started the company, we didn't have the same, you know, it wasn't as demanding, you know, when you when you have when you have eight customers, <laughs> guess what, you know, you do have time to turn up to a race and actually participate. But in the early days when me and Marianne would go to, um, you know, mainly trail races in, in Quebec and things like that, we had this sort of unwritten rule that like whenever we go to an event to work, um, at least one family member, so the four of us, me and Marianne and our, and our two kids, because they were young, they come along, right? Um, at least one family member, ideally, all of us would participate in one of the distances of the race, even if it was just like, you know, the 2K or whatever, uh, just to sort of have that bit of fun along in your workday. Um, but with the years as the company's grown, it got harder and harder to sort of uh, to keep on doing that. Um, and of course, like, you know, your average, you know, 14, 15 year old kid is maybe like, it's not so cool to race with your dad. Um, but yesterday was a kind of like a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is, this is the energy and vibe, which inspired us to like start the company. Those early years of, you know, maybe it wasn't so successful as a business, but it was really, we're following our passion. And so yesterday was like a real, like, it wasn't a flashback. It was like, picking Lawrence up and dumping him in the bath. It was like a waterboarding of joy and uh, an excitement of being able to actually fully take part without worrying about, okay, you know, is there enough product on that feed station? Like, oh, what do we have to put out on Instagram? And like at 2 p.m., like none of that, just in the team, in the car, in the pouring rain with five other getting smellier and smellier runners. Um, <laughs> in fact, they weren't very smelly. I think I was the only one that was smelly. But uh, yeah, good, 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 good times. Amazing so, energy. So time, so time for you to unwind and relax a little bit. 100%, you know? Oh yeah, that's exactly what it was. I I let 100% loose. I had my two JBL speakers, waterproof. Shout out to JBL. Those waterproof speakers, man. <laughs> uh, when you're waiting for that relay runner to come and it's peeing down with rain. 
<laughs> those made the difference. So who made up your team? So we had uh, my old friends, Alex Provo and Karine Corbet, um, who are very, very serious athletes. Um, and <clears throat> we did have a, a, a team set up, but some last minute um, work obligations um, and this and that meant that I was actually in Boston. I think it was Monday or Sunday. It was it was a busy day. I think it was the Sunday. And I realized due to a sort of a lack of um, planning as, as a fun event and not a work event, I hadn't given it all my sort of planning energy. Um, a couple of unfortunate situations, like an injury of one person, some work commitments with a, a couple from Toronto. I found myself that our team of six consisted of me and two photographers. And that wasn't a good situation. So I had to kind of scramble the network. Um, which meant that on, uh, on Sunday morning at 5.30, I met for the first time in my life three of the team members, Julian, <laughs> Mila, and Michelle, um, and Alex and Karine, uh, who, I've, who I've known for a while, and they, they managed to uh, commit maybe 48 hours before the race. Um, and so that was our team. So Michelle Bousquet, uh, Mila, <clears throat> and Julian, um, who I just met through uh, with the help of one of our ambassadors, just friends of friends of friends. Um, and the way I looked at it was how the team can only be awesome if the people who like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll jump in for 125 key relay. Everyone knew the weather at this point in the peeing down rain with a bunch of people that I don't know. If those people are putting their hand up to join a team, there's no way it can go wrong. Um, and uh, the, the the positivity and the vibe was just brilliant. We really, we gelled, I think, Within about eight minutes, I think the team gelled, and, we just, <laughs> and just we had we just had a blast uh, the whole the whole day long. So was it? Did you guys really break down the strategy big time, or because you know Alex and Corinne, they're yeah. these adventure races, stage racing, uh, you know they're probably the more serious of the athletes, I'd say. And hundred um, percent, we did so, but but we did have a bit of an ace in the hole. So Alistair, my business partner, was our crew. And Alistair is, has done run around a couple of times. He's a very experienced uh, runner, um, particularly, well, short and long distance. I mean, he does it all. He does he does road, he does track, he does trail, he does ultra trail. Um, and we had the benefit of his experience. However, Alistair's not like a big detail guy. He's not a sort of a formal planner. Um, and, and that's uh, that's uh, one of the really fun things of... of, of, of playing and working with Anister. But we knew that, okay, we're going to do 3K legs and cycle through. So we had we did have like a plan. And as as we met those people, as we met together at like 5.40 in the morning on Sunday for the first time, it was kind of like, so like, where do we go? Who's running? What's the course? And, I'm, and it's really, we hadn't communicated any of those things. But um, it's not very complicated. It's like, okay, me, then you, then you, then you, then you. And we keep on going till one of us gets lost or we get at the finish. And so that was the, that was the strategy. I think that can be called a strategy and, and, it, and it worked absolutely great. Um, uh, we just had one, one hiccup where uh, we did, we did get to the rendezvous, the three K rendezvous um, late. Um, and we missed our runner. She just kept on, Mila just kept on going. She did maybe 8K instead of three. She was asking herself some questions. Oh I think on the wrong way, should I go down this street? Should I go down this street? There's in that, that one-way section on Gouin, where it's, you know, it's more difficult to crew your, you can't like patrol for your runner. We didn't have yeah. any tracking devices, but you know, we found her. <laughs> she was awesome. Yeah. We picked up and uh, it was all good. 
Now, you know, it's grown quite a bit, that event. It's funny to see oh, it huge. evolve over time, and now it's 18 teams. Did you find it hectic? 20 teams. 20, 20 teams. teams. My, my bad there. But did you find it hectic? Did you find it uh, worked out super smoothly? Um, that oh, was to the traffic. Be, no, to be, no, to be honest, I, I think, well, the early start in downtown Montreal, um, you know, there's not a lot of people in, you know, on, on Notre Dame at uh, 5.45 in the morning on a Sunday. Um, the rain helped even more. So it wasn't hectic at all. We could take the, you know, take the, take over that bit of the street for a brief moment, to- totally safe. You know, there was um, lots of volunteers, you know, making sure that the, the, the start was safe and, you know, 20 people isn't, as it's a relay, 20 teams, 120 people, but only 20 people running at any single time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, and it thinned out pretty quick. I, I set off at, 335 to my great horror with everyone else but <laughs> sure enough about 50 seconds later i got to a more reasonable pace for someone of my abilities and uh, and so you know quite quickly there's um uh you know after after you know before the first handover um that it's beginning to thin out and so you can easily run on a sidewalk um and what's one what's really fun to see is the different strategies right so we we had our you know, we wanted to keep it simple and not be thinking about changeovers. So it was just like every 3K, you run 3K and you hand over to the, your 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 buddy. Um, other teams were um, tend to probably doing maybe even shorter legs, the more the more um, competitive teams, um, and some people doing it in sections. So somebody on the bike, literally running 1K, being accompanied and switching over every K, going from bike run bike run. And then switching out to another couple a few k down the road when when they're hitting their crew car. Okay, nice. That's great. Well, I love that event. I think it's it's so a lot of fun. variety. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can't you you don't really know what's going on to be honest. Yeah. you can't you can't figure it out. It's like organized chaos. It's amazing. Absolutely, you know? but yeah. you're not alone. I mean, you got some crazy guys uh, running it solo, which is always fun. But yeah, I think there was four this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. cool, and it's only going to get better and better. I think as the as it goes on here. So yeah, you mentioned uh, living in Boston. Um, mm. You know, I think you show up to an event like this and a lot of people know you. They know you as uh, someone that, that's that's founded Exact. They know you as a community run guy. But be, b- before that, before all that, you know, can you give us a little history of who Lawrence is? Um, sure. Um, so I think a lot of movement, <laughs> not necessarily athletic movement, but... Um... No, I, I mean, I, I grew up in um, multiple countries, both um, as a kid, then, then as, a, as, a, as a student, and then as a, you know, starting, starting my career. Um, so born in England, southwest England, uh, grew up in, in Bristol, um, moved to Italy. I, my, I started school, like uh, preschool, uh, actually in, in Italy, where uh, my parents moved. My parents split up. Uh, my dad stayed in Italy. I moved back to England with my mum, and that's where I continued to grow up um, until we moved to the U.S. And that's where I finished like high school. So I went to Brookline High in um, a suburb uh, west in West Boston, um, and actually a chunk of where the Boston Marathon runs through. Um, um, after the U.S., so then when I turned eighteen, so I was uh, had, a, had an adult label apparently, <laughs> um, and that's when we moved back to Europe. I moved back to the U.K. Um, Couple of couple of reasons. Um, the tuition fees in in 1990 in the UK, so uh, university tuition was free. Stood back then, no longer is. 
uh, whereas uh, university tuition in the US definitely not free. So um, uh, and I was eligible eligible for that as a as a British citizen. Um, and also, I got to admit, um, as a passionate cook, uh, even back then I was a passionate a passionate cook, and it kind of infuriated me that even like in my own home, if I needed like a little bit of dry white wine to finish a deglaçage of a sauce. You've got to be 21 to buy some wine, man. So mm-hmm. I couldn't even cook how I wanted to, let alone, you know, celebrate a little as, as a lot of 18-year-olds like to do. So um, I moved back to the UK, went to university there, um, did an exchange, which took me to France, where I met Marianne, my who then later became my wife and mum of our kids, and now business partner and president of, of Exact Nutrition. That's something I'm not sure if enough people know about, but I'm super proud to be part of organization with uh, female leadership with a, with a woman running uh, at the head of the company mm-hmm. um i'm tend to be a bit more the public face of it and so does alistair so i don't think people necessarily know that's the case but our president is, is marianne Regnaud, um and she really does run the company <laughs> the um uh so in france kids were born um and it was in 2006 that we all moved to Canada, and that's when we finally stopped moving around. So I'm sat here in my house in uh, in Mile End in downtown Montreal, right. and I think me and Marianne, there's a there's a figure we threw out. I think in the the ten years before we moved to Canada, I think we moved twelve or fourteen times. So on average, every eight months, for st- studies, for work, you know, for all sorts of you know positive reasons coming from ourselves. But it still is a lot of charging around. Um, and in 2006, we moved to our house uh, in Mile End on, on Clark Street in the heart of bagel and coffee country. Um, and we haven't moved since. So it's kind of like our kids have this perspective who have grown up in, in, in Quebec. And uh, my son was eight months when we moved here, my daughter, two years old. They're like, no, we never move. And I'm like, no, we move all the time. It's like, oh, no, you're right. <laughs> no, we haven't moved in the last 20 years. <laughs> right. But what does um, that do for like, I'm always curious, like I, I've recently moved, I, I grew up and lived in right. Montreal my whole, yeah. whole life, moved to Europe. But I always wonder what that, that does to you on the development side mm. as a kid growing up, having to change homes all the time. Like, do you find that difficult? Looking back, do you think that's, I mean, for sure it's shaped who you are today. Do you know what? I, in the moment and even looking back on it, I never, I never was aware of any sort of um, experience that is difficulty. I, I, I experienced, I found it energizing and exciting. Um, I think all the time up until the pandemic. And that was for the first time where I, where I felt, do you know what? It would be kind of nice just to be able to go and see uh, my dad, my mum, our family, you know, Marianne's uh, dad, uh, but with the borders closed and them living in, us all like living in different countries. Uh, for the first time, I experienced the the the, the negative side of um, being far and being distant from from um, uh, from your family and friends too. Because of course, we left friends behind when we moved to North America. Um, but as a, as a kid growing up, um, no, we found it. I found it always super stimulating. Um, I think it, it. I think I'm incredibly fortunate to to have been able to live so many opportunities to, to, to experience like new perspectives that the, the biggest one had to be um, moving from uh, like uh, my private all boys school in Bristol at 14, going to a public 2000 student body high school in Boston. Uh, like <laughs> it could not like the contrast could not 
be much more, apart from maybe if I'd gone to Asia or something like that. I mean, I still was speaking English, but that seemed to be the only commonality. And so yeah, that takes care of like the travel side, but like you mentioned also that you like to cook and I was going to ask you about like, <laughs> I've you know, you're in the nutrition game now. So like, yeah. but maybe that kind of makes sense. So why the cooking passion? Um, I think I just love eating. <laughs> I think it's as simple as that. Don't um, yeah. Um, but I really, I really do like quite a lot. It is, I think, I think I like cooking more than eating, but the cooking definitely came from wanting to eat nice stuff. And um, I think it all started with, I was like super lucky. My entire, like everyone in my family, grandparents, mum, my, uh, my stepmom, um, lots and lots of really like great cooks and spending time eating together was always a, a really enjoyable and big part of, of family life. Um, but my, my mum and stepmom, so whether I was with my dad or with my mum, um, great cooks, but not big dessert cooks. So I started cooking desserts to fill that dessert hole. And, um, you know, really basic things, but like when I was eight, uh, like rice pudding, which is not, not the best dessert, but hey, mm -hmm. I made it. And then it evolved from there. And then it got a bit more, I'd say, serious with my love of curry, with Indian, uh, Indian cuisine. And I went full tilt into like, I wouldn't just like buy the curry mix. I'd buy the individual spices, roast them if necessary, grind them. And that just brings, um, a different level of, 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 of awesome curry. Um, and probably fair to say when I, when I moved out of home and had like responsibility for my own time and budget and studies, probably spent too much, probably like didn't get the balance just right into like the studying bit and, and, and like the cooking bit. I invested heavily in cooking. And so imagine yourself, you're living in a flat in, you know, in Birmingham, with a bunch of like people between 18 and 20. And of course they've all moved out from just moved out from home. Like a month ago, like their mum was cooking for them or their dad was cooking for them. <laughs> they yeah. weren't cooking for themselves. No. They maybe went to the fish yeah. and chip shop. And I was just like, I don't know. I, I do like welcoming and entertaining and experiencing those moments of camaraderie and I could cook. <laughs> I, I went full, like fully into cooking. Like, for my, my for my like newfound like student friends and colleagues and peers, mm -hmm. but I'd I'd do like three course meals and and stuff like that and have like eight people around for dinner, and like people would be eating. It's just like oh my god, this is brilliant. And of course, when you get that positive feedback happening, you you adapt. So I adapted. Yeah. I spent more and more time, and um, and I never really stopped. And in a funny way, that's kind of what led us to to even starting the company. It's from a desire to make something that you eat and I like I can do I think I can do that I think I might be able to do it actually a little bit better um so it's not me cooking the gels by the way <laughs> but 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 the spark the spark the spark was there and I'm sure like living in places like Italy France you know where there's this not too shabby yeah you know it's it's got a good it's got a good influence on you know something about say, making food <laughs> and yeah and there's honestly now like you know, I, I, I'm cooking more and more myself and trying new things. And there's, there's, there's like, there's nothing more satisfying, I'd say, than like making a really good meal for yourself. I reckon and there's two things. There's two, there's two activities in human existence where the amount of effort you put in. So the, what you get out of it is directly proportional to the effort you put in and there's sport and cooking. Everything else, there's these other factors <laughs> that you don't necessarily control. <laughs> yeah. But I think sport 
and making meals, you're you're pretty much guaranteed the a result that's proportioned to your to to and not time necessarily, but 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 energy and passion put in. Yeah, totally. And it's always nice to say like, well, you know, you second guess going to a restaurant maybe too, because you're like, well, I can make that at home. Like, why would I go there when I can make it just as good as home, mm. if not better? And they're charging insane prices for that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a satisfying proposition for sure. <laughs> and even if you have to buy all the ingredients and stuff, is you know, you play some music. There's a whole like uh, atmosphere that goes into it. Not everyone's into that, but I quite enjoy it. So, and now the sports side for you, yeah. you know, sport and and uh, and the cooking. So now, where's the sports side? Uh, so the, your the sport, the sport really came from. So I have like I think it's fair to say zero sort of family background of sport. My, my, it was, um, they weren't anti, but certainly not like, <laughs> like not leading by example at all. Like, like never, ever. I have no memory of, of like, uh, of my, my, my family, like doing any, anything sporty. Um, um, cooking, yes, sports, no. So that all came from like, um, I think enforced sport at school. And in my school, that was uh, rugby, cricket, and like the annual cross country race. Um, so it was really, <laughs> it really was. Um, um, I wouldn't say it was against my will, but I just kind of like followed. I mean, I just did what I was told. I just like, oh, coal cell, you know, prop, um, <laughs> which is a very unglamorous position in rugby. Still got both ears though. So I'm quite, yeah, quite well, happy good, about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, rugby was my was my um sort of love hate sport started with i guess indifference moved to hate but then actually um um by the time i was maybe turning like 17 18 and and at university actually really grew to really enjoy it and 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 love it i was never a uh, i was never a, a great rugby player but once again i think i think what really changed rugby for me was when i moved to france um so language barrier um, so I didn't speak, I mean, I had schoolboy written French when I moved to, to Lyon at university. Um, so the language barrier, even the classes were, were super challenging. <laughs> and I wasn't and like, I spent too much time cooking. So I wasn't like super, like it wasn't, wasn't like I was on point when I arrived. Yeah. Um, but I did have rugby. And so I joined the university side and what was absolutely fantastic. There is a, there is an international brother and sisterhood of rugby like if you turn up with a pair of rugby boots like i was told this by my my coach at high school if you, you can find a game anywhere anywhere in the world pretty much and and you'll be welcomed um and that was certainly the case for me as i experienced it in in lyon in france so i i joined the club and what was great was uh because what happens often when when uh when when uh particularly brits are good at this but i think it's the same for any country if you move to a foreign country and there is a language barrier, you'll very quickly find all the other Brits or, or, or Germans or Scandies that all speak English. But yeah. the fact that I was able to integrate the rugby club, um, I was the only Brit in the rugby club and, and I learned French so quickly that really helped me so much more. And, you know, you, had, you found a community straight away, like you're, you're part of a team um, and uh, you'd go and suffer on the field together, get beaten and then, you know, commiserate, stroke, celebrate afterwards. So that was a really uh a really really positive thing and it's kind of fun to see like it being like basically a pain in the ass something you had to do on a saturday morning <laughs> like in november in bristol which you know is it's actually okay but getting to it's not so much fun 
Um, but it changed into something I, I really, I really relished and look forward to and still have friendships that date from, from that rugby club today in, right. in, in Lyon. And isn't there some parallels between what you experience in rugby and, and the running scene now? 100%. Just as answering the question, I actually realized, oh, and that's kind of how running happened maybe 10 years afterwards. So running started for me when I was actually living in living and working in France in, 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 the, in, in Paris, the Parisian region at any rate. And a bunch of university friends, we decided together to do the Great North Run as a as a not as a team, not run it together, but we'd all we'd all train for it separately, meet in Newcastle, uh, do the same race and and raise money for um, a local hospital up there. Um, and so it's a half marathon, the Great North Run. It's huge. It's one of the biggest in 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 the world at the time. I think it's only Lisbon which has a bigger one. Um, I can't remember how many runners there are, but it's tens of thousands of runners. It's like thirty thousand, something like that. Um, and um, that was actually so. That was the first like time I was like, okay, I'll I'll. In fact, you know what? I committed to buy the bib and train with all my mates for whatever reason. I got a little bit behind and I never bought the bib and all my mates did, but I, w I went and ran it anyway. And we're sort of there the night before staying in a caravan park outside Newcastle. That's not glamorous by the way, just in case. You know. um, and I was like, yeah, fucking, I don't, don't have the bib. And I'm, but I trained and everything. And like I trained actually quite, quite like very seriously for me at the time at any rate. And I was really stoked and ready to do the race, but I, I kind of just, I'll just run it anyway. I won't do the bib. And so my mate Ben uh, was like, "Well, I think I think if you just put four safety pins in your t-shirt, like no one, no one will, no one will ask anything." And and so what's actually a bit of a shame is I actually did a fairly decent time, but because I it was it was not recorded, and I don't think I had a GPS watch. No, I definitely didn't have a GPS watch at the time. <laughs> um, there's no sort of record of it. Um, but that was my my first like introduction to like training for event, running it with friends, celebrating it afterwards. Um, you know. Um, and of course, the race itself is just a tiny part of it. But it's, I think it's a really, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have experienced all the other things like the, the, the training together, because we did manage to train together a little bit. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, and the fun and the, the sense of accomplishment that you get uh, after it. But yeah, <laughs> not official. Didn't have a bid. No time. Never happened. There's no social media. So we can't, we can't tell if it actually happened or not. <laughs> so would you say that? For you, sport is less about the actual act of the sport and more about the whole environment that you're in, like the whole, the overall, the bigger picture between, you know. Oh, from what you're so yeah, now, yeah, now I see that. But I didn't see that earlier on. It was um, that, that, that definitely something that changed. So I was that guy who I would sign up. So, and that, so, so after that positive experience, after that, I was like, oh, I want to do another one, I want to do another one. Um, and it wasn't like some relentless thing. It was, you know, occasional, I'd do it like a couple of year, but there was some real highlights and, but I, we would pick the event because it, we've always did it as a group of friends. We'd pick the event for, um, we're definitely picking it for, I guess, the experience or the setting of where the event was. So it wouldn't be like, okay, well, when's the next 10 K in my, I don't want to travel too far or anything. It was like, no, let's go to that place and do that race. So one of them was, um, uh, um, Marseille uh, Cassis, absolutely spectacular, spectacular. I think it's a half marathon. It might be a, like just a weird distance, like 18K or something. Um, but, but the reason we picked that was for the beauty of, you know, you leave Marseille and there's a big ass climb as you 
as you're as you're climbing up the the, the coastal cliffs, you know, stunning views, um, and then credit to me, I had the foresight. You can imagine there's I don't know twenty thousand people arriving in Cassis, which is a village. Like it's not a it's not a it's not a town. It's a village. Yeah, gorgeous. But I somehow managed to get a table at this like incredible restaurant, and and that once again was um, all the people that had run the race. Um, but also a couple of people that come on who weren't running, they just wanted the weekend away, um, and their partners as well, having that lunch post-race after a little dip uh, in the Mediterranean, having run the 20-ish K, um, phenomenal feeling. And then I think, now that I think about it, I haven't even thought about the time, but what was really cool about that is that drew, there were friends from uh, England that came over to run that, but also friends from France as well. And... Um, on a sort of micro level, you're kind of seeing what what happens in in our run community today here in in, in like in Montreal or Toronto or or Boston. Um, um, just like there's something really um, when people are coming together for that racing running experience, somehow it's just a million times easy to forge relationships and make bonds that seem to be maybe a bit more meaningful than other situations. You might make those connections like at work <laughs> or yeah. at school or, or so on. Um, so um, I definitely see that, that, that sort of common thread and I definitely agree that um, it's, it's around, it's everything surrounding the actual timed running bit rather than the timed running bit itself. And would you say you've always had like a positive relationship to sport? Oh, definitely. Um, because remember, remember what we we're talking about a bit earlier, like, 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 Love to cook, love to eat, um, like like to like to like to celebrate a little bit, uh, maybe 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 a little bit too much, and <laughs> so um, a big a big part of 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 any sport that I was doing, uh, whether it be running, skiing maybe a bit less, but you know, uh, uh, biking or, um, or or hiking. I'm a huge huge. I love. Um, hiking and, and um, uh, basically experiencing the outdoors, particularly the mountains, it was definitely a conscious effort of like, well, if we're going to do some celebrating, we should probably like maybe stay out a bit longer or work, you know, walk a bit further or climb a bit higher or run a bit longer or maybe run a bit faster. Um, so I saw that definitely as a positive thing, you know, for, you know, for, for our health and, um, and also, Maybe more important than that, I think the health was kind of like a uh, um, like a comforting offshoot rather than something driving it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was driving it very much always was having that that essentially I think that sense of achievement and accomplishment, um, not just through like necessarily through doing something physically hard, but maybe just like having a wonderful view. Um, I'm a huge fan of a good view, which is why I always prefer vacationing in the mountains than at the seaside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm starting, I'm starting to get that fever too, uh, being in, in well, Switzerland. Where you live, like, absolutely. Well, you're, like, you've got so many opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Where's this trail race and I'm not a trail guy, but I'm like, mm, I'm kind of down to, yeah, like, 100%. to so crest that mountain peak. And, you know, yeah. there's all kinds of beautiful things around us and even close to our home, you know, in Montreal, it's beautiful too. I remember I went out with some friends, uh, it was like a photo shoot hiking in Bromo or maybe Mont Orford or something like that. And we crossed paths with you actually with your That's family. That's right. 
Um, That's right, a, I remember that. Yeah, you with Marty and, and Cedric. Yeah. Yeah, you gave us some bars. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's never a lack of fuel, but it's nice that you can also now integrate that into your own family too and, and show them that that's important, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's funny, the, so definitely it was, because me, me and, me and uh, my wife and I, we, we followed like our career, which, you know, which was, you know, wonderful and everything. Uh, but at a certain point, it was, it, it didn't feel as, enriching as it did earlier and it was very much so one thing that was a very conscious and deliberate decision was when we when we we're setting up the company or I can't it may have even been afterwards but it was in that same period of, of like okay so what are we doing next what are we going to do these next few years it was a very conscious decision that like well how about moving away from this one sort of uh, mode where we you know we work pretty hard or very hard um we have you know and we we're fortunate enough to get like a good salary and we work and work and work and then we've like cram like all our uh um our, our, our payback if you like into those like three weeks of vacation or, or whatever it is and it very much felt that that wasn't a particularly balanced uh <laughs> or necessarily um sustainable uh way of continuing to live our lives and bring up our kids and and, and that kind of thing and the idea of um, starting our company, and we'd certainly we had no illusions. We knew we'd have to, you know, work a lot, but working in an environment where, um, where we're kind of we're, uh, uh, where we enjoyed our our, our vacation and playtime becomes our daily. Um, so instead of so our, our our customers and our the events we do, you know, are you know outdoors in the mountains. Not always in the mountains. More often than not, like in some city centre actually, but still, you know, outdoors. Maybe you're like, um, you're not fighting with the rain, but you're providing sustenance to people who are fighting through the rain. But that was a very conscious decision of like, let's make let's make our our work time in that in that sort of ecosystem, if you like, and as opposed to that one where we're like working in one ecosystem to go and enjoy it in another one. We wanted to really move everything to the one, and that's that's something that. I don't think we've ever regretted at all. That's something that's that's played out really well because uh, like-minded spirits kind of gravitate there. Mm -hmm. But also like that kind of shift too can be stressful for a lot of people that, you know, change is difficult. Mm. And it's it's good that you have the support of your wife who's on the same page to kind of go down that, that path together. Now, why did you guys enter into an industry that was already pretty competitive, I'd say? Um, I think, well, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like we got to pick sort of thing. It wasn't like <laughs> it, it, it did happen very, um, organically. That's maybe not a great word, but it, it did happen. It didn't, it, it did feel like a, a natural gravitation. Like it was, we had this idea and that can work let's give it a shot we, we, we there was actually a previous uh, business activity uh, which we had a shot at before before exact nutrition um with um you know there were a lot of similarities but um it wasn't like this wasn't our first go our first go was um maybe predated it by two years and it was in the natural health products um uh it was, it was actually looking at can we harness the benefits um, uh, the health benefits of wine without the alcohol and make these drinkable 
uh, trying to make a supplement like enjoyable. So instead of like a you know a white pill, which is sort of very medical, we're working with like extracts from like grapes and the um, byproducts from the winemaking industry, um, and trying to bring um, uh, not necessarily a tasty but like a more sort of I'd say healthy experience of consuming uh, uh, a natural health product than just like popping some tablets. Um, it didn't work out though, <laughs> and and um, like like not at all. It wasn't like we had to. Oh, do we keep on going? It's like no, this is done. This isn't working. And it was from there that we had the idea of um, actually having uh, being a bit more integrated into into how the business and the products work. And the one thing I was determined to do was I want I want the the actual the sporting public to decide, not some executive, you know, in Toronto that I've never met. Um, and that's 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 kind of what carried us through, uh, and 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 had that initial start. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, and, and you're right. Like the best way to determine if a product's going to be successful a lot is the public. You know, they're the ones that are going to drive it. Does this taste good? Do, do I digest this well? Do I like the the variety of flavors? Do they offer enough products to me? Um, but certainly, like that takes time, right? To build a sample size. Yeah, and well, like, we're 11, you, it's eleven what, years in. So yeah, <laughs> right. Time. Well, well, now, but so, what was your background going into it? Like, you, so you, I, so I'm actually I I um I'm a, I did a chemistry degree. Um, my wife did also did chemical. Well, she did a very similar degree. It's just basically chemistry, but with a bit more engineering. Um, so I I actually went into um and into business i worked in the for a pharmaceutical company so life sciences and i was working either sales or sales training or marketing um on that side of things uh with a lot of um you know medical with a lot of education a lot of adult education whether it be for colleagues as a trainer um on disease processes and treatments and things like that or setting up educational projects for for partners whether they be healthcare professionals or or or, or other um, my wife worked um, actually in the production and quality control in food companies, like big, big, big food companies like Nestle and Kraft and Canada Bread and companies like that. So she, her expertise was, you know, actually getting vast amounts of not very nice food made. And, um, and my, my job was more in like the communication, training, talking to people side of things. Okay. Um, and that's, uh, that's what we were we both started and we had those jobs in England. Uh, we had those jobs in France. Um, and uh, also we had those jobs in Canada until we finally started uh, Exact. So did you continue your jobs while you were doing Exact at the same I, time? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. So it was a, yeah, the first few years, it was really a, it was a side hustle. It was weekends and nights. Um, Marianne was actually more full-time on it as she, she had, she had left, left her, her job. Uh, but I, I, um, I juggled the two for, for quite some time and it's true. You did mention it can be stressful making those shifts and changes. Um, it definitely was, <laughs> it definitely was stressful. Um, but at those, in those early days as well, um, it was extremely stimulating. Like it was very, very like rewarding and, and, and fun. Um, um, but it's true when you're having to take vacation off one job to go and do the other job, um, it's it's not sustainable long term. But but um, I made it work. Yeah, and and do you find that 
was it easy? Like you guys are business partners, right? Like, you know, some people can't even manage their own marriage correctly, you know, let alone having a business together. You know, you guys are clearly working, working together very well. And after 11 years, you're still together and happy. But like, is it, it, does it put stress on the relationship at times? Is it difficult? Um, it definitely does. I like, I'd be lying if I said it didn't. There's no doubt that any relationship has its stresses. Any job has its stresses. Um, when you put the two together, there's definitely more the, more stresses and more stresses of, of stress. Um, I think on the whole, um, I mean, I must I must admit, I kind of feel a bit odd talking about it with Marianne, not talking about it either, but she's not here, so I'll, I'll just talk about it. <laughs> uh, um, I think what 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 kind of um, makes it possible and even makes it, I mean, I think it's pretty successful is, is the cool thing, actually. It's not like we're struggling and uh, ah, it's like, no, it's actually most of the time super fun and super rewarding and, and super stimulating. Maybe, maybe not so super fun and rewarding for like the people like immediately around us. Like I think about our, our, our Alex and Kim, our kids, like they, you know, that's kind of <laughs> the only topic all the time, pretty much. Um, so maybe, maybe, um, maybe that gets a bit worrisome, but we're extremely complimentary. So um Marianne's skill set is is like I, I I am so shit at those things. It is it is untrue. Um and, and my skill set is is you know those those aren't things that interest her like at all. So I think that's that's probably like the saving one of the saving graces or, or, or what makes it not just possible but also um effective and efficient as well. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're kind of I think I think if you're in a situation where you, if you had very like similar skill sets, you're kind of checking each other, right? But yeah. I know that there's a, a whole load of things that it's just it's just it's just done and done awesomely, and and so that that makes it a lot less stressful, right? I'm like I'm not worrying about that. I can worry on on my thing, right. and, and and vice versa. Well, maybe um, we could say that's the recipe for success. I from my <laughs> perspective, I'd, I'd say I'd say so. Yeah. Um, you want to just maybe go through the evolution of, of where exact started and where. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we started, so we started very much, we started super local, uh, no online presence, um, maybe a Facebook page. Um, we weren't called exact at the time. We were just, you know, our first product at the time, it was called, uh, uh, fruit square or fruit two. So we were called fruit two. Um, I remember. remember Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, my uncle who's, uh, uh, he's not a graphic designer actually he's a he's a he's an artist an illustrator he did the um um uh, the first uh, packaging and the first branding stuff and it really was uh <laughs> it is i mean i look at it now and i kind of i smile um if i was doing it over like i'd definitely do it differently but at the time it was it was fun and fresh and exciting and we had a fantastic product inside that package which actually hasn't that hasn't changed those original three flavors that we launched, we have not changed the recipe one bit. Um, all the how the product development has taken on has, has been adding to those things. Um, I'm pretty stoked that 11 years on, that our best-selling skew, our best-selling product is a strawberry energy fruit bar, and that same recipe is what we what was being handed out at our first ever feed station, which was 2012 Mount Orford at the X Trail uh, Trail Race. Uh, very windy October uh, morning, 
Um, so we started with these these uh, these pâtes de fruits in French, or we we call it an energy fruit bar. It's not a great translation, but it's it's, it's what we've got. Um, so we started with these products, and I think we've always been a kind of a a product focused company. It's not like me and Marianne we didn't have marketing jobs or brand jobs or agency jobs, and we're like, well, let's you know let's look at this market. It's like let's make these things which we think taste good and 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 run with it. So. The making the thing that that we that was definitely in our wheelhouse. We 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 had the expertise to to work with our manufacturing partners to make a product and really understand and 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 optimize all the other things that are so important, like you know, um, food regulations. Like there's a lot of you know there's a lot of regulation in the food industry, yeah. right? It's important for putting these things in our bodies. So you know, um, expiration dates, the logistics, the shipping, actually having product available, being able to sell the thing. And you know, and stored properly, it's a it's a huge um, skill and expertise in itself, and and so we're kind of maybe a little bit, I'd say, a little bit amateurish. Like we definitely learned as we went along, and it was super simple. I I phoned up a distributor company. I'm just like, yeah, we've we've we've. And they didn't actually answer the call. I don't think. Like we're just <laughs> like, oh oh shit! Like no one wants to sell this brand they've never heard of, like ever. I uh, I guess I better do it, and so that's what we did. So. I'd literally, I'd go to run stores and ski stores and bike stores and turn up with like a few bars um, and, um, and and people would try it out and they'd have no idea who I was or what this thing was or like would their customers want it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but gradually, little by little bit, some stores would take it on. I've got to have a shout out to our first ever paying customer, Le Courant Nordique in Quebec City. Jimmy Gobey and his business partner Jolianne at the time, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're getting this. This is awesome. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, I think I was more surprised than they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what I didn't know at the time is like, this is one of the most successful run stores in the world for their footprint size. Like, wow. um, and maybe not back in 2012, they weren't, but that's who they grew to be. And they have an amazing, and I think actually now I, I didn't realize at the time, but I realized having them as a customer and seeing what they did with the run community in Quebec city. I actually learned a lot really quickly, like in a few weeks, I mean, like in a few months, um, their, their group runs that they had on a Thursday night on the Plain de Varan. Oh, there's like 120 people turn up to that doing intervals together, um, on a <laughs> dark Thursday night. Um, and, um, and they, they were our first ever customer. And we had two customers before that extra race. It was them and Le Cura in Sherbrooke. So no one even in Montreal, but Montreal came on 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 came on rapidly. And mm-hmm. what we did is, so very quickly we also found that we'd go to these stores and like, well, no one's coming in and asking for it, so no thanks. So that's when we started going to these races like Extra Orford, who at the time was um, uh, owned and ran by by a friend of mine, by Nick Taifat. Um And it's actually an interesting side note when we're working on like, okay, that's um, I think we've got an idea to have an alternative to an energy gel or an energy chew. And I had these pâtes de fruits. And at the time, I um, I was somehow, I never really understood why, but I was invited to run with this group of friends who for, for, for one of their's birthday, they'd celebrate it by running the number of kilometers that he was old. And so at the time, I think he was like 35 or something. And um, But they never really sort of broke that down to me. They didn't sort of spell out exactly what happened. And I think they may have called it like a jog or a hike and it was in French too, and I was kind of like, "Oh, you yeah, were going for a, going for a, going for a hike." 
<laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, I, I love hiking. I, uh, yeah, would you like to come? Like, yeah, fucking right, I would. It'd be awesome <laughs> in the hills and eastern townships. And and I remember this one point. I was like, okay, I better get ready. So like, I went and bought some hiking boots, like the big, you know, leather <laughs> hiking boots that like weigh a couple of kilos. So I phoned up my mate Lee J. I was like, yeah, so I'm 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 yeah, I'm ready. Bought my boots. Like, see you next weekend. I think and he says like, boots. Yeah. We're running, man. You need running shoes. I'm like, but it's 35k. Like the two things didn't go together uh, in my like world view back then, yeah. and and I was kind of like, oh no, well this isn't for me. It's like, no, 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 come anyway. You'll be great. I was like, I, I don't, I'm, I don't think so. Uh, I was like, no, 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 just go and buy some trail running shoes and and come. You'll be fine. I bought the trail running shoes. Yeah, I went. I wouldn't say like his idea of fine and my idea of fine wasn't exactly the same, but um, I had a wonderful half <laughs> of the run with them. I bailed. There was like, they had organized. We we're running around JP and I brought along these fruit bars to kind of test them because this was a bunch of, you know, pretty, pretty experienced, um, has been athletes. And one of the people in that car was Martin St. Pierre. So mm-hmm. back in 20, I guess it was early 2012. It may have even been 2011. Um, I remember, like, after the run, getting out these, like, pat de fruit. This is before we, we we made them. These were just samples. And just kind of handing them out to the guys. And these are people who had been, like, using gels and training, been on national teams or provincial teams in either running or skiing or, or cycling or triathlon. Um, and, you know, they I, I didn't, they weren't, like, these, these were different people from me. That's what I felt. But they kind of handed them out. And they're like, yeah, well, these are great. Yeah, I'd eat that all the time. And that's where we're like that first sort of validation of the idea of the product came. And from then, you know, we took the gamble to, okay, we'll get, we'll get packaging made. We'll pay for that packaging. We'll get it sent. And in those early days, we also had um, a lot of like fantastic help. Like we had, we couldn't send a pallet of product to my, my house here on, on, on Clark street. Like you, you, there's no, like there's, there's a, there's a bike path. There's like very, very enthusiastic, uh, st- um, you know, parking meter agents, like, so we needed we even even to get the product just shipped somewhere. Like yeah. we we basically called in favors and we had amazing uh, amazing help from 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 different folks um, in in the in the sporting community. We were actually able to warehouse those first deliveries before we we managed to get our own space and so on. So it grew from there, very much like just promoting in a, a I don't know a three hour driving radius of our house because it was weekends and evenings, right? We you know, flying to Toronto to promote, like was, we didn't even think about it until yeah. we're able to make that jump where, you know, okay, stores are buying it. Stores are reordering it. Um, people are ordering it online from other, <laughs> other online marketers of our product. Athlet, athletic, athletic, no, athletic.ca was our first like online partner. They're still a partner today. Um, and it was, and the the other really important piece of it is Marianne's father, um, who's actually a postdoc chemist, worked in formulation and nutrition and product development, uh, sorry, food product development his whole career. And also he had a network. He knew small family-run companies in France and Spain and Germany um, that were basically it didn't strike them as completely crazy to just like make a few pallets, just make a few thousand bars to get us started because most companies, you know, you've got to hit those minimums. It's the same as, it's the same as, you know, getting bike kits made, right. You know, but instead mm-hmm. of the minimum being 20 pieces, it's, you know, 
it's two million pieces. <laughs> and um, um, it was through uh, Alain, Marianne's dad's expertise, Marianne's expertise, and, and I'm, I was very comfortable on the promotional side. We had these three different pieces. So we were able to get it made, but made super professionally to a spec. Like we knew exactly what was going on that side of thing. And the sort of the selling promotion bit, I kind of figured, figured out as I went along. But um, it's not like I didn't have a background in, in, in sales and marketing. I, I did. But the sports industry and, and retail um, and online, I had no experience of that. So that's something mm. that we figured out as we went along. And did, did the response from the community, from the athletes, give you this confidence to... 100%. So that was that's always been the way. It's like whenever we turn up, and it's the same exactly today as it was in some godforsaken snowshoe race in Sherbrooke with like eight people turning out. You turn up with the bar and you're just like, hey, try this. Okay. Oh, c'est donc bien bon. C'est donc bien bon. And um, which translation, this tastes awesome. Yeah. Um, we, we, it's always been the athlete community, whether it be runners or triathletes or skiers or cyclists or, 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 or judokas, that has given us that confidence and, and, and that validation of like, yes, this product works for me. Yes, I want to eat this. I want this to be my fuel. This, this sits better with me. I, I like the fact you're this small company um, actually turning up to the event and supporting the event. This aligns with, you know, with... What I want to support, this is where I want to spend my money and support a, a business. Um, that that was always been really, it's always felt right and natural and easy and fun when we're in the community itself. The, the you know, figuring out the distribution, the retail side of it, the econ side of it, that's, that's always been like the harder bit. But um, that also, what I'm really happy to say is, particularly lately and very lately as, as the company grew, as our product range grew, as our customer base grew, um, and, and also um, uh, getting through, you know, the, the pandemic, which was rather rather uh, a challenge on in itself. We got to a point where we were able to uh, create, create jobs, which is actually the single thing I'm probably most proud of, even more proud of, like, having a great product, creating, like, real jobs with real salaries and health benefits and paid time off um not many but uh, three of them now and we were <laughs> able to get the talent um able to bring in that that help and that expertise like real professionals who understand you know retail who understand uh, you know proper bookkeeping who understand you know all, all these things and that's i think we there've been like three levels in 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 our company's growth there was level mm -hmm. 1 which is kind of me and Marianne figuring it out and running around um then when Alistair joined us as a as a um, as a business partner, that was like the second level. And when we moved, I left my full, other full time job for this full time job, um, and it was basically pure hustle, a lot of energy put in, but also a lot of gratification, um, and 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 basically understanding that was a real learning phase. And now I think we're in a phase is like we've actually figured some stuff out, and we kind of know what works. We're beginning to get our recipe of of how to continue to develop the, the business and how to work with, you know, a wider, wider variety of, 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 of customers, whether they be business customers like, like uh, Mac or, 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 uh, or whether it be, you know, forerunners in, in Vancouver or boutique career here in Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, and the wider community too. 
Do you feel like you finally found your stride? Oh, yeah, I think I did. Yeah, like maybe on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, handoff handoff point number five. I think I found my stride. What do you think is the... What do you think is the biggest uh, lesson that you've you've learned through that whole that whole process? Oh gosh, I think that's hard to nail down. To be honest, I think I think that's super hard to nail down, um, and so and so because it's hard to nail down, you do sort of find yourself making like generalizations, and so I you know it's 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 very true, but not very sort of exciting sounding to like you know keeping an open mind. Um, a mixture of like having confidence in in your plan and and sticking to it. I mean, that was a bit disappointing, really. Is that this? I don't think there's a real particular you know gem in itself. Um, I think um, I think <clears throat> turning turning up and being ready to engage with whoever it is you're going to turn up and engage with, whether it be a supplier. Even a government agency <laughs> don't turn up quite with the same energy, perhaps, but you still got to turn up and engage. Always, you know, at run around at Siedi headquarters on last Sunday morning, um, turn, turn, turning up like ready to do business, do your run, do your meeting with, you know, the best that you can muster uh, on, on the day, you know. Um, I think that's that's a good place to start. Yeah, I think it's a difficult feat too. I mean, athletes are creatures of habit, and that's not an sure. easy one to crack. You know, um, it takes time, it takes effort. But I love the fact that you guys are like a family, family business. That you're from the same place I'm from. That we can connect, and that you're engaged with the community because I think that's like. You know, this podcast, I hope, grows organically because of the connections I make and the conversations I have and that listeners connect. But you can do the same on your feet, showing up to events and supporting um, athletes everywhere. And I think that's that's really commendable, you know, so. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, do you find like that there's been some real success stories uh, that you've like of people you've met that you've you've oh my god with. yeah oh, hu- oh so that's actually that's been a that was a huge part I think especially maybe in those like that's and still that's been one part that's been true all the way through so we were blown away by generosity of folks that we just meet to to either help or support us in some way or another and there's I, I know there's and there's and some really super inspiring people um, and. Uh, so just I got to shout two names out: uh, Jeff Gosselin and Florent Bougain. I remember, um, and so there was the and there was definitely a couple of phases. Phase one was like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. Insert big number race. But then you get to know them and meet them as a person, and you realize that, oh, like, yeah, it's maybe not so surprising they did that. Insert big number race. Like what a what a what a what an incredible person what an incredible way they like live their life and 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 and, and the, the relationships they 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 nurture and so on and um the the the, the, the list is kind of I mean, it's pretty much endless i'd say the number of people who we've had the chance to interact with and meet 
and and they've been in the source of inspiration for us and you know they're members of the community the, the communities that we serve and it started off with i think probably yeah i'll say jeff and florent in quebec city but it pops up all the time everywhere and it's it could be jeremy at Ciele, it could be uh, vincent who i just met in hamilton just a couple of a couple of months ago it's amazing what he's doing um, um, in underprivileged areas of Hamilton and, and what his goals are, like crazy ambitious, awesome, important goals of of helping youth stay in education uh, using sport. So that's actually pretty cool. It's kind of, that's been a constant, a constant thing. And, you know, when things are going, you know, a bit tough, you know, it's really, it's really nice to be so immediately surrounded by so many folks um men and women canada and the us um who 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 really like help you daily mm -hmm. if there was like a message that you would like to share like through your work through like maybe a message to the to the community itself what would it be i think um so i think um it's actually a question that you asked earlier and i i, I couldn't really answer it but i think just chatting off as I found it, maybe that's the message. It's just, I think it's really important to be able to feel good about what you're doing. Um, and so in this context of, you know, running a business, it's also my job, it's my business, but it's my job as well. Um, I think that's, that's a really, a really helpful, good thing. So if you, if you can feel good about like how you earn your living um, and, and how you work and interact with people, um, that's, I reckon that's maybe like ninety percent of the game of of life. Yeah, that's awesome. And how do you find that that movement helps you in your everyday life? What movement? Sorry, like any kind of any type of movement. a physical movement. Yeah. Oh, ah, oh. um, I'd say it's 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 a so as the as the as the obligations and size and 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 and, and commitments and pressure have increased, like the easy the the, the most blatantly obvious way is as a as a source of like uh, relief, like the one time in the, in, in the day where you can just like, okay, I'll just, I'll go for this run with my dog or whatever. Um, and, and during that time, you know, and I, I used to always run with music. I never run with music now. Um, uh, unless it's a relay and it's a speaker, but not with, not with headphones. <laughs> and, and just, um, I always find that whatever was bugging me, annoying me, stressing me before the run, is always not necessarily, not necessarily solved, but at least calmed down a bit. So that's that's just magical right there. So just like the daily, the daily business of of, of being able to have it as a as a, as a release, huge. Um, and but then the list goes on. So um, it's how it's how our business works. Without without sporting communities, I think I don't think we'd feel so good. About it. I think it, I think it'd be <laughs> way less interesting. It'd definitely be way less fun. I think it'd be harder. Um, so the, 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 the movements or people moving or, or however you want to call it, that's around us, not what, what we're doing, but what we're a part of, I think is, is huge. Um, and, and what makes, um, yeah, what makes the, the project, the mission, the, 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 the mission of our, of our, of our company, um, actually sort of worthwhile and, and, and fun as well as, you know, paying the bills. You've got to pay the bills too, man. Of course. Yeah. That's the big, yeah, it's a big one for sure. So I know you've got a packed schedule and everything, but what's coming up next for you? So next for us, um, so 
Next for us is Vancouver, BMO Vancouver Marathon. Um, big event for us. It's our second biggest event. Um, then we've got some smaller community races. Um, the Fireman's Race in Laval. Dunham 50, uh, a really cool um, uh, gravel uh, 25 and 50K organized by my, my friend and, and Hoka rep, uh, um, Alexi Lucier in Eastern Townships. Um, and then, then it's the big show, which is Ottawa Race Weekend at the end of mm-hmm. May. That's our biggest event, um, fueling and helping 25, 30,000 people recover on the race course and that Confederation, what is it, uh, yeah, Confederation Park. Uh, that's, that's one of the highlights of our year. Um, but the, our, our event calendar is jam-packed until the run event in Austin in first week of December. So it starts, the, the season kind of starts with around the Bay end of March, and we're more or less, um, I wouldn't say non-stop, but we're very occupied right from, from March until end of November, first week in December. Mm-hmm. Um, special shout out for two events, uh, Quebec Mega Trail in Mont-Saint-Anne, first week into July. Uh, that'll be a really fun event for us. We're really, uh, we've invited our ambassadors to, to run and race and crew and, um, and cheer at, at that event. Uh, we'll also be, um, um, as well as supplying our own food, our own products for the, uh, for the, everyone who's racing will also be, uh, we're going to, um, be trying out and playing with custom food for, for our athletes who are, who are running too. So, uh, not just the, the packaged industrial stuff, but, uh, Larry's kitchen is moving to Santan <laughs> that weekend. Nice. And then, um, uh, another sort of team build that what I loved about Runaround was it was, it was, we weren't there necessarily. Well, yeah, we promoted, we, I can't help promoting. It's just, it's in my blood, it's in my blood. <laughs> but, but first and foremost, it was a team building event. Um, and we have another team building event in October, which is run to Montreal. Uh, so we'll be having exact, we'll be fielding a team. Alistair will be crewing again. So it's funny that like, Definitely our best runner is now like crewing and ph- photographing as well as mm. uh, actually racing. Um, in October, we'll be putting together Team Exact. Um, recruitment is, is underway. I, I managed to sabotage a few people's Octobers at the Siede <laughs> party. So thank you, Raul. <laughs> thank you, Heidi. Uh, a couple of awesome team members jumping on. That'll be a really cool race. So that starts yeah. Toronto downtown and finishes at uh, the lookout on Mount Royal in October. So if you're listening, hit up Lawrence for a spot on his team. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it sounds like Alistair's maybe taking early retirement or something. He's. Uh... <laughs> oh no, I think no, I think that's just when I'm there. Like no, he's racing Vancouver Marathon. It's Too just much. that when I was running in 120, I think he's actually pretty smart. He's just like, well, Too much competition. Pace, he might be doing like let's say 5:15 a minute, and <laughs> Alistair wants to be doing 3:30, and he just knows he knows a dead duck when he sees one. So yeah, yeah he's just yeah. yeah yeah. Good stuff. Well. Lawrence, what can I say? Thank you so much for, for coming on. It definitely didn't show that this was your first podcast interview. You did exceptionally well. Oh, thanks, man. That was I love great. Your spe- I love your spirit, your energy, and everything you bring to the run community. You're turning up everywhere and supporting people. And in turn, I think you're seeing the same thing coming right back at you. And I don't think there's a better way to, to grow a brand or a community than, than that. So thank you very much for all the work you thank do. Thank you. That's very kind words. Thanks, Justin. No problem. And we'll uh, we'll see you around. Uh, hopefully I make it to the Ottawa 10K. I'm really trying. That, that'll be a good one. That's a beautiful race. Take care.
Take care, mate. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better, and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at JustInStridePod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me. With logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay, a huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.